question, what, what I need to acknowledge is that there are a few uh, pieces of business that I think need to be addressed before we ever get to integration to begin with. And so I'll start um, with what I think we need to move out of the way. Um, I am exceedingly careful in 2022 to hear the gospel that we've heard and to make assumptions um, from sort of my side of the transaction when there are business parties going on within the context of my family. What do I mean to say about that? I mean to say that I grew up in a southern-ish family, like a family that had a, 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 a moderate to large dose of southern culture. And that really came out around holidays or birthdays, Anytime there were celebrations that took place, out came the china, out came the silver to be polished, um, here came the tablecloths that needed to be ironed. Um, and in these moments, what I observed, and I should say, I, I should acknowledge that being an observer of those events rather than a participant is something that was afforded only to the men in my family. Um, so, so these observations that I'm making are from the male side of the equation here, and I want to acknowledge that to begin with. But what I saw was um, in, in, in these, these celebrations, these holidays, these birthdays, these baptisms or even ordinations that took place, there was a real measure alongside the point of the party itself there was a real measure of like high stress and conflict that existed in the Bart's family home. And I got into a little bit of trouble this past Thanksgiving. Um, Cindy and I, Cindy's family has a ranch in South Texas, and we are, um, we are so privileged to spend almost every Thanksgiving there on that ranch. And, and, uh, Cindy and her sisters and other family members all come together and we spend a, at, at least a week all together and sometimes a couple of weeks if we're lucky. And, and as the, the organizing was happening, and again, I'm an observer of the organizing, not a participant necessarily, um, this past year, I took a photograph of Cindy and her older sister sitting in the living room flipping through like multiple like three-inch binders full of family recipes. Like what are we going to have? And so I took a little shot and I posted it up on Instagram without permission <laughs> from those pictured in the, in the shot. And I just put a little, a little caption there that said, this is the Thanksgiving situation room. Because <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, we're talking like troop deployment and movement and logistics that happen all during these, these holidays, so much so that sometimes the stress, stress level can rise. And a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was scooting out of the, the ranch house and I was getting into the... Um, to the little ranger, the little ranch vehicle, and it was in the afternoon, and Cindy's like, where are you going? And I was like, well, I, um, I'm going hunting. And she was like, okay, uh, how long are you going to be gone? And I was like, uh, a couple hours, I think, a couple hours. 
She's like, you're going hunting? And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm going hunting. She was like, you don't have a gun with you. I was like, well, I'm just going to go sit in a deer plot. <laughs> just like breathe. I don't, are you still following me here? I don't know if you have this experience in your family around celebrations where both the love and the joy in the room is high, but also the expectations about um, how things get done and in what order they get done and who, in fact, does them. But it is a reality that happens in the Bart's household. And I am privileged to be an observer. My brother-in-laws and I, we, we do the best we can to support, but we're not really welcome, um, to be perfectly honest, like unless asked for. And then the move is to like get right up and do whatever you're being asked to do right then. Do you have this? Do some of you know? You know of this reality that exists. It's not only Southern. So I speak about that because I think we need to address it in light of the scripture that we have these days. And I was watching, social media has been um, um, a great tool for preachers to observe what the preaching community is doing. And um, in this week, I've seen a lot of male preachers who have said things like, no, no, like Martha's doing the right thing. Jesus is just being a little hard on her. And I'm like, I understand that perspective, but I think it's missing the point. It's missing the heart of what Jesus is trying to say. Martha, consumed by the logistics of welcoming her friend and they have a growing relationship, right? We know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, their brother, and Jesus share an intimate connection one with another. There is no reason why we wouldn't consider Mary and Martha to be disciples. They are. They sit at the feet of Jesus. And here comes Jesus into their home for one of the first times during his ministry to be welcomed in. And Martha like a lot of us, wants everything to be perfect. And she is consumed by that task, so consumed by that task that she is not open and available to the goodness that is being shared person to person, heart to heart in the room. And she comes to Jesus, and as a bit of a tattletale, right? Like, there's an element of that. It's not that Jesus rebukes Martha. It's Martha who comes to Jesus and is like, hey, man, like, I'm in the kitchen over here all by myself doing my thing, making sure that the food's ready and the table's set, and Mary is just sitting here attending to you. And Jesus' response is like, I know. <laughs> I know. You see, Martha is a bit more integrated than Mary. I mean, Mary, sorry, did I just lose you there? <laughs> totally confused you. Mary is a bit more integrated than Martha. Mary is present to that which is right in front of her. And in order for us to be present to that which is right in front of us, it requires us 
to be grounded and integrated and to have a measure of serenity in the midst of chaos. And she has been able to find that and she has been able to make primary what is most important to Jesus, this space that we share one between the other. As I was thinking about this particular teaching, acknowledging, of course, that the concept of integration is complicated. It's a complicated spiritual move or social emotional growth move for us to make. It's not first half of life stuff, it's second half of life stuff. And I'm like, how do we explain that in the church? And the only thing that came to mind was this. And so I went to Ace Hardware yesterday morning to try to find a symbol that could make sense to us. This is just, you know, a couple of feet of sisal rope. I think I have another 28 feet at home that I'll never use, right? I'll bring it to you, Will. You'll probably use it. And when you look at, you look at this sisal rope, you can see that it's twisted. It's bound together. It's connected. It's integrated. There are distinct, distinct strands of the rope itself, but when you get into the core of the rope itself, it's one it's unified, it's integrated, it's connected, it's together. And we have this sense that together it offers something that is stronger. What you would also see if you could see it more closely is that each of these, each of these separate strands is also wound together. Wound together with three different strands themselves. Isn't that true of us? You know, the work of integration is not just in the community or the congregation of itself, but the work of integration is also an individual practice. How do we become so grounded, so integrated, so connected that we are the same in the grocery store as we are in the living room, as we are in our offices, as we are in the driver's seat behind the RV with Florida plates? <laughs> How is it that we experience that measure of integration and the lesson that Jesus is bringing us is it's in the exchange. It's in the space between the two or three or four or 50 or 100 hearts in the room. That's what we aspire to be, present to the present moment so that we are able to see what's happening between us. One of my favorite authors in all of the biblical text is the prophet Amos. And you heard David read this great reading from Amos, and it, um, it, it sound, Amos is, is melodramatic to begin with, 
but when you add that Scottish accent in the King James Version, it's like even better. There's even more melodrama to it, which we kind of need that. We missed um, last week, we missed this great, um, um, as, as Amos is described in the scriptures, he's described as the tender of sycamores which I absolutely love. He's describing himself. He's like, people are like, hey, what do you do, Amos? And he's like, man, you know, I connect to God and I tend the forest. That's my work. That's what I do. Do you know that the forest tends itself? You have that sense here, right? Amos is speaking into this reality that he's grounded. And there's this great little line in the last in the, in the last section that we have this morning where he says, you know, that he is, he is prophesying about the Lord who's going to send a famine to the land. And the famine is not going to be um, a, a, a famine of grain or a famine um, where, where we experience an absence of livestock, but it's going to be a famine from the word of God. Like there's going to be an era on the timeline in our culture where we just don't hear the wisdom of God. And why? Why wouldn't we hear the wisdom of God? Well, when you move back to that gospel lesson, we know that we miss it. We miss the word of God in our experience, in our culture, when we are playing out our own plan for life, not responding to the other people in the room, not responding to the space that is between us, not responding to the love on the other side of the transaction, but only pursuing our own purposes. So when I listen to this story and I ask, I ask myself, absent these kind of confusing gender roles that we have and this privilege that men experience and enjoy and the organization and celebration of things, when I ask, like, what, what is the heart of the message that is being sent to us today as a church family. It's that message to connect. It's that message to open up. It's that message to be present to the present moment, to know and experience the love that is in the room, the love of God as it's shared on this vertical axis as we're surrounded by the beauty and majesty of creation among many other ways we experience God, but the love of God especially as it's experienced in the eyes of the other. And so I invite you. Maybe it happens at the next birthday that's rolling around or Maybe it comes around again at Thanksgiving or Christmas. I invite you to eat the turkey dry <laughs> and enjoy the heart that is sitting across the table from you. To look into the eyes of the other and to do it with kindness and compassion and mercy and forgiveness and patience, and see 
what God does in that space in between. Amen.